the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into our two six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. I was uh, speaking in my monologue yesterday, uh, postulating, uh, questioning whether uh, there would be protests against Xi Jinping in California, or for that matter, Joe Biden for hosting Xi Jinping in America, uh, given the evident concern we have about genocide and given the fact that there are few countries who have perfected it as well as Xi Jinping's Communist Chinese Party. Um, You look at what's being done with over a million Uyghurs, concentration camps, forced removals, family separations, re-education camps. Uh, You look about Tibet. You look at what they're doing to the Kazakhs. Uh, You want genocide? There it is. And there was no protest by American college students for that. But son of a gun, they shut down the Golden Gate Bridge this morning in a protest against genocide, attacking uh, or condemning Joe Biden's support for Israel, where there is no genocide. Um, I, I, I was quoting Joseph Conrad yesterday. We are led into a heart of an immense darkness here when you combine that with this story that I cannot get out of my head. And I suppose it's because I was in Washington, D.C. on 9-11 and was involved in an education organization called Americans for Victory Over Terrorism to teach children about, to teach college students about radical Islam and the terrorist threat against the West and wrote a book on it, The Fight of Our Lives with William Bennett. I just can't get out of my head how there is this new interest in bin Laden's 2002 letter to America by college students who are fawning all over it and saying how it's opened their eyes like nothing else. Um, The thing that I can't get past about it and why I say it's a new interest is no one read it when it was published because it was the rantings of an insane tyrant lunatic terrorist. No one wanted to take it seriously in 2002. But, you know, give it 20 years, I suppose. Let it marinate amongst a cadre of youth, a cadre of young adults raised on the notion that America is a down market place and that the West is a is a um, is an instantiation of doom and gloom and oppression and it makes only makes sense that you would see well if we're the country that's the problem and if Western ideology is the or Western philosophy is the ideology that is the cause and source of that problem, why wouldn't we embrace radicalism? So the Washington Post, how Osama bin Laden's letter to America reached millions online. On Monday, 
A TikTok user with 371 followers using the screen name Monix2 posted a video where she read parts of Osama bin Laden's letter to America in which the late terrorist leader said his killing of nearly 3,000 Americans had been justified. By Wednesday night, the letter had become a point of discussion among left-wing creators on the wildly popular video app, with some saying its critiques of American foreign policy had opened their eyes to a history they never learned. But the letter didn't rank among TikTok's top trends. Video with the Letter to America hashtag had been seen around 2 million times, a relatively low count on a wildly popular app with 150 million accounts in the United States alone. Then that evening, the journalist Yashir Ali shared a compilation he'd made of the TikTok videos. That post has been viewed more than 28 million times. By Thursday afternoon, that would be today, when TikTok announced it had banned the hashtag and dozens of similar variations of TikTok videos tagged Letter to America, it had gained another 15 million views. That is a wildfire. That is a wildfire to go from 371 views on Monday to over 30 million views by Thursday. 35 million views. That is a wildfire. It's not a brush fire. It's a wildfire of a movement that would set everything decent on fire. Incredible how misled these kids are, but it's not their fault exclusively. Megan Kelly writes, to the parents of all of these losers suddenly persuaded by the deranged musings of the man who murdered 3,000 American innocents, you failed. You were likely boozing, marching for some left-wing cause, and or simply ignoring your kids. You failed to teach wrong from right, a proper moral code, a love of country, and perspective on America's role in the world. Because you failed, my kids and others are going to have to grow up battling these somethings for the future of the United States. I have every confidence they can do it, but I resent and judge you for making it necessary as opposed to fostering a life in which they can focus solely on growth, joy, love, family, hard work, and creation. No point getting bogged down in it, however. Trust me when I tell you that the majority of Americans, this generation and the next, will fight to defeat the pernicious lunacy you've unleashed, and we will win. I hope she's right. I don't know that she's right. Mark Tiason wrote to that. He, he replied on that. Twix post. He said, just wait till they discover Mein Kampf next. Yeah, it'll open their eyes to a whole new line of thought. Incredible. Um, sorry, I said the Golden Gate Bridge. We were corrected. The Bay Bridge. Okay. Bay Bridge, not the Golden Gate Bridge. Thank you. The Bay Bridge was shut down. Doesn't make it any better, does it? Bay Bridge was shut down. Now, young David, you had a political thought on all this that you've been angling to share as i understand it sure <laughs> no you were you have been bogging me down with something having to do with colorado okay let's talk colorado and i don't know why i'd want to talk colorado because of the state of their politics right now but that's exactly why we have to talk about colorado right now because for most of the 20th century colorado was considered a reliable swing state that generally shifted to the Republican camp. For example, between 1964 and 2004, the uh, Colorado only voted for Democrats twice. That would be Lyndon Johnson and Bill Clinton in 92 with a plurality, not a majority of votes. 
what's going on in Colorado? Well, now they're a very reliably blue state where they once were somewhat shifting to the red, for example, in 2004. But even if you look at their state government, for example, last year in the midterms, just this January, the Colorado state Republicans have announced that they experienced an extinction-level event, and now they only hold about seven or eight seats in their state legislature out of a grand total of many more. I think we need to look at Colorado as somewhat of a case study, if you will, on what not to do in Arizona because <laughs> that happened. You could look at California, but California was much more gradual. California, the land of Nixon, the land of Reagan, the land of Pete Wilson, but it was much more of a gradual decline. I think uh, with Colorado, it was very rapid within the past 20 years, and I think we need to look at that and figure out what's going on because it looks like when you introduce uh, legal marijuana, ranked choice voting, prostitution, other such um, liberalized drug laws, examples of uh, legislation into a society, it's going downhill and it's going downhill fast. And now nobody wants to move to Denver. Denver's become awful, as San Francisco has. There's no question about it, as Portland has, from a lot of that. Um, But it's what (coughs) Aristotle, no, sorry, Plato said that the two most important questions any society can ask of itself is who teaches the children and what is it that they are taught? Who teaches the children and what is it that they are taught? Uh, What are we teaching? Um, We're not teaching about this place as something worth fighting for. Um, Self-evident truths, rights, our founding creed, freedom for women, for Jews, for infidels, for Christians, for non-believers. We're not doing any of that. And right now, what our schools are saying is that we're not a good place. We're an awful place. We're an oppressive place. Meanwhile, radical Muslim leaders are slaking the young's thirst with their absolutism. There is no self-doubt there. And that's why a lot of Americans attracted to it around 9-11. Do you remember John Walker Lind? Do you remember Adam Gadan? They're just lost souls. But we've lost them. We brought them into the darkness. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. I always find it interesting what the White House is trying to communicate and what the communications department at the White House thinks it's up to and doing. Um you would almost kind of think that they would want to portray i mean you would think that they would want to portray joe biden as a respected and credible leader on the world stage having just had a summit with xi jinping or unless i missed something there were no major gaffes here Unless I missed him. You'd think that they would want that to kind of be his success story, to kind of maybe overcome 
every other meeting and public appearance he's had in the last couple of years. <laughs> but instead, it seems like they're just moving on from that and they're putting Kamala Harris out again. And I just can't get behind the wisdom of doing that. Do they think Kamala Harris is a good idea to put out there? There's a double problem with it. The double problem is while they're at once trying to convince us that Joe Biden is just fine and everything's fine and there's nothing to see here and he can be the president and he should be reelected as president when everyone they know doesn't think that way. Doesn't it put a panic in the population that if it's not him, it's her? Or at least for the time being? And then we have to be reminded by how incompetent and incomprehensible she is? Why would they want to do that? But do that they did. Do that they did. And she just did an interview, an audio interview, with the New York Times. I just just listened to a little bit of this. Just listen to a little bit of this. She's being asked about her selection as vice president based on her race. Another thing in 2020 was obviously those things were happening at the time that Biden was making his selection for running May. And I was reading stories at that time that was basically saying very clearly, you know, the Times story, Harry Reid says that, you know, he came to the decision that he needed to choose a black woman. While that is obviously about you, that's not necessarily you personally, but your identity. How should it matter? Does it matter that that narrative has existed, that Biden needed to choose someone or who, who was a black person? And should it matter? I don't think I understand your question. I'm saying, does it matter that that kind of narrative around Biden needed to choose a black woman as a running mate still exists and has hovered over that selection? Or is that it, I- it happened. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I understand you. I, I honestly don't understand your question. I'm saying, did that put has you it in a lingered? It, yeah, did that he put, chose a black woman. That woman is me. <laughs> so I, I don't know that anything lingers about what he should choose. He has chosen. He asked me to join him on the ticket. I guess I was, I can move on. Um, Yeah. I want to ask. It seems like a pretty simple question to me. It's about basically the need to choose someone based on their race in 2020 to be the vice president. She doesn't want to talk about that anymore. Boy, they couldn't talk about it enough at the time. They couldn't talk about it enough. Why? I mean, I suppose if I had that question in advance and I were prepping her, I'd say, talk about what a landmark thing it was. I mean, I don't believe any of this stuff, but that's what I would say, what a landmark idea and concept it was and how this was a first moment among many firsts with this administration. And it has been privileged to serve and I work to hold myself up and this administration up as an ideal and heroic and role model for other young black girls or young Afro-Indian girls. And that was a good thing that Joe Biden did. I, I suppose that's what I would have kind of structured an answer around. But now why does she just want to run away from it and cackle through it? I, she's just not good. She just isn't. Which is not the point of me bringing it up. 
The point of me bringing it up is understanding if this White House and its communications department, comms department, is any good. Why they are parading her around as if that gives us more confidence, I cannot understand. I just don't understand. Maybe, maybe they've come to terms with what so many in America have come to terms with. That this administration is effectively rudderless. Have they just kind of given up and come to terms with it? Has anyone watched Veep? The HBO series Veep with Ju- Julia Louise Dreyfus. Ju- Julia Louis Dreyfus. Have you watched it, young David? It's quite funny. It's quite funny. <laughs> I, no, I haven't. Well, it's very it, funny, but I know of what you're speaking. And they just and, uh, the staff goes through yeah. periods of just they just give up because there's no helping this here. There's nothing they can do with the with the raw material or the clay that they have. And I'm I'm just sometimes wondering if that's what's going on here. I wonder if that's what's going on here. I mean, you have the FBI director yesterday, Christopher Ray, testifying to Congress. That Middle Eastern terrorism is our greatest terrorist threat in this country, counter contradicting the president of the United States, who for the past five months have been has been saying that white supremacy is the greatest terrorist threat to this United States. And then you had the FBI director f- go on to say that it's a concern given the state of our border as well, because we're letting in a lot of a lot of people who. We can't keep track of or where they're coming from, but we know that many of them have been on terrorist watch lists. You have that contradicting the Homeland Security director who says our border is secure. I I mean, have they just given up? Is there no hope for this place? Is there no hope for this administration? And then you have people at The Washington Post and The New York Times conducting these polls showing Donald Trump beating Joe Biden scratching their head saying, how could this be after everything we have said about Donald Trump? How can this possibly be? Well, what the Washington Post and the New York Times do does is disastrous. It's awful. It's terrible propaganda. But, you know, their combined readership of a couple few million, maybe at the end of the day with you include things that get passed around in the Internet as well. It's 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 hard, I suppose, for them to get a positive answer out of the question. Are you going to believe us or what you see with your own two eyes? I'm Seth. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. I promised we would get an update from you on your night last night. You had dance class? <laughs> yes, I, I went out uh, dancing. That's correct. Yep. Ballroom dancing? Swing dancing. Swing dancing, yep. Do you like country music? Uh, so I like old country. I like old everything. You don't like the <laughs> ladies of country. You don't like my... Martina McBrides and stuff like that, huh? I like artists like uh, Johnny Cash okay. and Waylon Jennings. All right. And, uh, All right. Uh, All right. It, <laughs> it, yeah, we just... I like old country. Okay. You know? Okay. All right, fine. Anything else you need to update us with that's been on your mind? 
on my mind. Yeah. I am shocked that you have not been asking me about my pins in like a month. Oh, I haven't. Have you I? haven't? Okay. What you are we wearing? What are we wearing? Today? You're gonna like this one. Okay. okay? This yeah, is one got? of the newer ones right. to the collection. All right. What does it say? Tell it to Hanoi. Tell it to Hanoi. Uh, okay. So clearly, circa 1970, 71, something like that. No, this is earlier. Yeah. This is earlier. We're talking 65 or so. Oh, my gosh. This is a Young Americans for Freedom pin. Is it really? Yeah, this is a YAF pin, you know? No kidding. Yeah, Young Americans for Freedom, of which I was involved in in high school. and God love you. Founded in Sharon, Connecticut at Bill Buckley's house. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, a pin that those in favor of or trying to defer protests of the Vietnam pin or of the Vietnam War would wear. No Usually kidding. young men, members of uh, YAF. And you can go online and look at pictures of men, young men wearing these. Yeah. Well, it's worth reading the Sharon statement again because it's a pretty good template for what conservatism should stand for, or at least those that claim to care about conservatism and um, its distortions. Do you remember their, their bumper sticker? They had a great bumper sticker, a great motto. Don't demanonitize the eschaton. Do you remember that from <laughs> no. your... No. You don't remember that at all? They, they sure didn't have those in 2015 or so when I was involved it's in it. A, <laughs> don't demanonitize the eschaton. We should get those bumper stickers back. It's an, it, you can probably figure out what it means if you're not familiar with those two words. Well, you know what eschaton is from eschatology. Yes, because Yes, right, the end of the world. And demanonitize means, you know, to bring it. You know, to try and bring don't imagine it's it, it's 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 along the lines of a message to mark to Marxism, which is you know trying to bring heaven on earth. You can't do it, right? Um, you can't. Every time you have these chiliastic organizations or ideologies like Marxism, uh, thinking you can bring heaven on earth because you can overcome human nature and human life on this mortal coil, um, you end up not bringing heaven to earth so much as bringing hell up to it. There is no you such thing as a real utopia. Yeah, that's right. Utopia in and of itself means a place that doesn't exist. Yeah, that you can't really—every time you try to bring heaven down to earth, you end up bringing instead not heaven down but hell up. And— that's another thing our young people don't understand either because they are infused with these Marxist notions and they are infused with this notion that you can overcome human nature. And some of this is going to collide and clash, which is why you have all kinds of fancy dialectics in Marxism that would make your head ache and make you go bald if you tried to understand it all and make a generalized theory that synthesizes it all. It's why you have all these various different Marxist and neo-Marxist dialectics and Marxism versus neo-Marxism and Leninism versus Stalinism versus Maoism versus Trotsky. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. It's a mess. But it all does stand for a principle at the end of the day that very seriously involves the notion that you can overcome human nature, and you can be as gods, and you can see it in the personal as much as in the public life of Marxist thought and ideology. 
we haven't talked about, and maybe this is a good thing we've moved on from, but we haven't talked a lot about this, you know, gender changing stuff and business that's been going on with our kids and, of course, ushered in by adults. But that's an example of it. That's an example of it as well. All right, we'll be right back. 602 508 Little LRB. You know how yesterday you were saying you can remember the first time you heard a song? I remember the first time I heard this one. Oh, well, tell me about that first, and I'll tell you about the first time I heard this song later. <laughs> Probably working for us, huh? No. You heard this song before? Oh, I wait, I know. It was before. in a movie. No. With Will Ferrell. No. And Mark Wahlberg. What was that movie called, Mr. Bill? The Weather Cops? The Other Guys? One of the funniest scenes in all moviedom? Tuna versus Lion? Go on your favorite. Oh, yeah. yeah. You go, show me that. Yeah. Go on your favorite. Uh, what should I tell him? Where should I tell him to go and watch it? Your favorite uh, video, internet video website, and look up the other guys, Tuna versus Lion. It had to have been partially ad libbed, if not fully. It's one of the funniest moments in all of movie dumb. Pretty clean, I think. I think it's okay for most people. This song is in that movie? Yeah, because Wolf Farrell, as a cop, um, would jam to Little River Band when he was in a hot pursuit. That was his, that was up and up. That was his get up and go music. The first time I ever heard this song, the weather was a little bit like today. It was a little bit rainy, a little drizzly. Must have been this time of year, and I was standing on our front uh, patio watering the plants and thinking how it was a perfect song for the weather. So you heard it on the radio. Mm-hmm. I, I had the radio. That. I had a little transistor. That's when AM rock was the thing. The thing. The yeah. thing I'm trying to bring back. Yes, go ahead. When was the first time you heard it, young well, David? Well, mine is not as cool as yours. I hold, I that I was it. watering plants in my front yard? That's right. a cool well, story? I was shopping for groceries. That's more interesting. What did you buy? I don't know. Oh, were like they piping it through? Something. They pi- it was uh-huh. really it was like Muzak. Uh-huh. You know, it felt like Muzak, and it was on the Safeway on Indian School. You want to replace it? Is that what you're telling me? Uh no, I, I. You can I, replace it. I'm glad that whoever is. Uh, no, you can replace it. Replace it. Why do we want to get rid of it? You like it? Oh, of course I do. Okay. Why would I dislike that shopping experience? I don't know. Music should take you. Yeah, I guess we like. Okay. Yeah, shopping can be fun. I, I was I enjoying take the, the fact that okay. the Safeway on 48th and Indian School is playing AM soft rock. Over the uh, music okay. machine. Okay. All right. Fine. 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 Good. The point is lost. Not, it's a good story, David. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. I'd be curious to know with any other music we had, what other memories, what other fond memories, distant, dis- mystic chords of memory, as Abraham Lincoln put it, would be strummed by that music. Keep that in mind. Uh-huh. Love to hear it. Doug's and where's Doug? Maricopa. Hi, Doug. Hey. How you doing, Seth? Mystic chords of memory, Abraham Lincoln. I'm fine. I I love that. It's one of the finest speeches ever written, isn't it? So, yeah, yep. uh, really was. By the way, while I was waiting to get on, did did I hear something come out of your mouth uh, that said <laughs> that Careful. shopping? Careful. That shopping can be fun. You're talking to a male that must might have too much testosterone, but I 
I would rather face a mad bull in a pen than go into a clothing store. I kind of do what they call gray out a little bit, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh, uh-huh. prop me up in a chair. My wife and kids can do what they want. I'll just pay for it as, as long as I can escape unharmed. Uh-huh, you know? So, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So that's just me. That's uh-huh, just me. I understand so, you. Yeah. So when you said it was fun, I got the willies. it can be i mean it can be well that's true if i'm in home depot or lowe's if i have a project in mind uh some set landscaping something like that i can build um then i'm i'm all on i'm all in yeah you know so yeah 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 okay but everybody's different i'm i'm just a uh, tool kind of guy you get me in the clothing and wife my wife says what do you think and i said you look absolutely beautiful she said no i'm saying do you like this i'm going what do you yeah. I, you know I'm yeah oh yeah that's the yeah no of course yes of course yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're no that's dummy like, oh god i i know where i i know exactly what needs to be said yeah remember 40 years seven years of experience yeah. i am a pro yeah you know, good good Hey, well, listen, uh, you also uh, asked the question, and I think it's very, very important. It was very insightful, but who, who's going to control the narrative in the school? Yeah. You know, who, who's going to do the teaching? Yep. And I would, I would answer it uh, with a statement, but then I can ask a series of questions. And it's going to end. But basically, it's who has the passion? Mm-hmm. Who believes what they say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who has the drive? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the left, theirs is to take over and create a society that will, you know, push their agenda. Mm-hmm. And on the right, we're here to be nice and accommodate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody will probably get mad at me and say, I'm tired of being told by Doug, <laughs> you're, you know, you're a wussy Christian or a wussy, wussy Jew or a leftist <laughs> Jewish person. Yeah, yeah. But what I mean by that is, is that a, a leftist will push their doctrine because they believe it's going to be for the betterment of mankind. Mm-hmm. And on the right, even though they're totally wrong, and it's so wrong, and, and they can stand in the middle of a uh, social rubble with evil and, and disaster all about them, and they still believe the narrative. Mm-hmm. And trying to get the conservatives to believe in the narrative that has we have historical proof of the beauty and the efficacy of it and the gorgeous production of, of our society and the advancement of mankind over time, in the unity that it brought through struggle sometimes, but it, it was tremendous, you know, and we can't, we don't feel strong enough in that to do anything. Mm-hmm. We would rather be sweet than push the agenda, which means we actually don't believe the agenda. Mm-hmm. And if someone says they're a conservative and they're gutless, don't, don't even with me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll nail you because I can hit you historically. Don't say that you believe. I just want to believe in Christ, and I just want to do religion. And I said, but you're going to let the society and the culture that nurtures the faith collapse around you, and therefore the amount of people that are going to church collapse around you while you feel you know, impressed with yourself. Mm-hmm. I said, we need to fight for the culture. We need to fight for the... Um, the the nurturing of the type of life that we have. And so, it, because again, let's go back to what I always say, you have six people, one liberal, 
um, how on earth can there be two or three five years later unless the conservatives backed up and accommodated and felt really impressed with themselves by putting liberals on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, how can that happen? Yeah, it can't. Right. It is not the leftists that are advancing. We're letting them advance, and then we're shaking our heads. Well, we're the dumb idiots that let them advance. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a different situation. They've taken over all our institutions, and now we're like, oh, my, oh, my. They will not. They're aggressive. They're cruel. They're vindictive. They will take over every institution, and they only got there. If mothers are upset, then where were you all those years that hold that hold that thought? That's important. Yeah, hold the thought. I got to take a break. I want you to pursue it a moment more when we come back. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Doug and Maricopa answering in part the question of Plato's, uh, which is the, the question every society has to ask itself, right, Doug? Uh, yeah, who, who's yeah. teaching the children yeah. and what is it they're being taught? Yeah, yeah. Who's, who's teaching? Let, let, let me tell you, I have a number of things because I, I fought a lot of these battles, probably more so now. I, I, I try to give money to the, you know, the, the MAGA types that are willing to fight, you know. Um, and like I said, my pride and joy is, is give, giving to many good people in the house and, and helping give money for a year and a half to Ted Cruz that he got in. Because, God, that's my kind of Republican, because he doesn't talk conservative every two years to get elected or every six years to get elected. He he fights, mm-hmm. you know. And um, But here's I here's the thing. Like, going to school board back in the 80s um, and 90s when I had kids, uh, when the kids were of that age, I should say, mm-hmm. um, now they have kids and, and they're going to the same age. But the whole point is, and I would try to battle, my enemy was not the left. Because the left is the left. It's the same left I was fighting back in the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. My enemy was a complacency from the religious right and from the secular right. The hunters and the baseball guys, who they enjoy the benefits that were set up by the, uh, the religious uh, founding of our country. But either way, they aren't willing to fight. Yeah. And so I, would, I remember one time we were in a battle at the school board, and I was trying to stop... Uh, well, that was the first time I heard the word progressive back in the 80s. I'm not liberal, I'm progressive. And I thought, oh, they're changing the name because Reagan had made liberal not sound good, you know, by his. And so I'm battling them. And I remember I used a term uh, that I thought was funny because Rush Limbaugh used it. He said, you can't use an acronym on the radio. But he said it was a Bar- Barbara Streisand, B.S., Barbara Streisand. Yeah. And now what happened is a number of conservatives, that was the thing after the meeting. They were upset that I used that acronym. But I said, I'm upset with you because you were more interested about being polite in that yeah. I gave yeah. that yeah. Than, um, than actually fighting for it. You let us down in the pr- it went through the early foundations of the liberal aggression into the school. We mm-hmm. lived up in Seattle at that time. We're going through. Then three years later, they're like, oh, we got to get that back. And I said, why did we let it in in the first place? Yeah, exactly. See what I'm saying? Exactly. They're more offended exactly. by the behavior. We're, we're, well, we're dealing with that now. We're dealing with that now. Yes. Things we have let in. Yes. It's mu- it's so much harder. It is so much harder to cleanse than to build right in the first place, you know? It's in, so in much war, harder. We have to war, irrigate it, deserts, not drain forests. Yeah. 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 
in war, it's three times more death to be um, to gain back territory than to hold it. Now you know why and, all in all things I focus, it's mostly in the frame of and in the world of prevention. In almost everything I focus on, it's about prevention. Thank you, Doug. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.